text for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 18. We're in Matthew's gospel today, uh, the 18th chapter. But before we look at that text, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, nose and hand were sitting in the church pew talking. The morning service led by ear and mouth had just Ended and Hand was telling those that he and his family had decided to look for another church. Really? Nose responded to Hand's news. Why? Oh, I don't know, Hand said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, What are you looking for in a church? Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke those words was sympathetic, but even as he was speaking them, he knew he would dismiss Hand's answer. If the Hands couldn't see that Nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing the church body in the right direction, the body could do without them. Hand had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Hand liked Pastor Mouth and his family and Minister of Music Ear meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Hand finally stammered. We tried spending time with the legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined the small group for all the toes, and they kept talking about socks and shoes and odors, and that just didn't interest us. Nose looked at him, this time with genuine dismay. Aren't you glad they're concerned with odors? Sure, sure, but it's, it's not for us. And then we attended the Sunday school for all you facial features. Do you remember? We came for several Sundays a couple months ago. It was great to have you. Thank you. But everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like, well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Hand and I were thinking about checking out that new church over on East Side. We hear they do a lot of hand clapping and hand raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, Nose replied. I see what you mean. We'd hate to see you go. But I guess you've got to do what's good for you. And at that moment, Mrs. Hand, who had been caught up in another conversation, turned back uh, to hear her husband and Nose talking. Hand briefly explained that he and Nose had been talking what they'd been talking about. And after which Nose repeated his sadness at the prospect of losing the hands. But he again said that he understood since it sounded like their needs weren't being met. Mrs. Hand nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made just enough critical comments about the church over the years that her heart had begun to reflect his. No, he he had never burst into an open tirade against the body. In fact, he, he usually apologized for being so negative, as he put it. 
But the little complaints that he let slip out here and there began to add up. The small groups were a little cliquish. The music was a little out of date. The programs did seem a little silly. The teaching wasn't entirely to their liking. In the end, it was hard for the two of them to put their fingers on it, but they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. In addition to all that, Mrs. Hand knew that their daughter Pinky was not comfortable with the youth group. Everyone was so different from her, she felt out of joint. Mrs. Hand then said something about how much she appreciated Nose and his leadership, but the conversation had already run too long for Nose. Besides, her perfume made him want to sneeze. He thanked Mrs. Hand for her encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to hear of their departure, then turned and walked away. Who needed the hands? Apparently, they didn't need him. Well, that's a parable from the book, What is a Healthy Church? And church, we're presently in a series, a message series on healthy church, unpacking some essentials of a healthy church. We, we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a, a church that's a faithful body of believers submitting to Jesus Christ and spreading his, his fame. And over the last few weeks, we've seen so far that healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine. That healthy churches know and share the gospel of Jesus. And last week, we were led by Dr. Todd Lafferty, a guest from the International Mission Board, who helped us see that healthy churches prioritize making disciples. Healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine. Healthy churches know and share the gospel of Jesus. Healthy churches prioritize making disciples. And this morning, I want us to see that healthy churches are made of Christians who are committed to one another. Healthy churches are made of Christians who are committed to one another. And the way that we express our commitment, at least officially, is through membership, through church membership. Membership matters. It matters. Tom Rainer suggests that too many of us have a country club membership mentality when it comes to church life. We join our churches expecting others to serve us and to feed us and to care for us. But that's not the picture at all that we see in God's Word. That's not the picture that we see in the Bible. If you want to be a biblical member of a church, Rainer says, give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Healthy churches are comprised of Christians who are committed to one another. Jesus tells us so, so let's, let's hear from him. I invite you to look at the word with me, God's word, words of Jesus Christ recorded in Matthew chapter 18. As you find your place there in the scriptures or direct your attention to the screen, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's holy word. Let's hear the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that this is your character and your heart and your will. And so, Father, we pray that you would guide us by the presence and power of your Spirit and rightly understanding your word today for the glory of your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, healthy churches are made of Christians. Sounds rather obvious. We want that to be the case. That should be the case. Healthy churches are made of Christians. What is a Christian? What's a Christian? A Christian is a child of the king who has turned from self and trusted in Jesus. A Christian is a child of the king who has turned from self, turned from a life ruled by self, where I uh, am Lord of my own heart and my own life, turned from uh, self and trusted in Jesus. Notice what Jesus says here. He's asked about the kingdom of heaven, meaning his kingdom. He's asked about... God's kingdom, and before Jesus describes the conduct that is expected of citizens of his kingdom, he states how to become a citizen of his kingdom. Verse 3, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so to enter the the kingdom of heaven, to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to become, Jesus says, like a child. As a father, I love it when my kids come running up to me at the end of the day when I walk in the door and welcome me into the house. I love it when they jump up in my lap and they want to be held or loved or provided for. And Jesus is implying here that that's a picture of conversion. That's a picture of turning to Christ. To become a Christian, to become a citizen of His kingdom, you have to come before the Father with childlike humility, confessing your need for him. Friend, have you become a child of the king? Have you come before the father expressing your need for him? Have you come to the father? Have you run to the father through Jesus the son? Have you confessed your need for him? Confess your need for him. Turn to him today. Become a permanent citizen of his eternal kingdom. Healthy churches are comprised of Christians. We're talking about churches, which is not exactly the same thing as God's kingdom. It's a bit more specific than God's kingdom. But you might think of churches as outposts or embassies of the kingdom. 
So Meadowbrook Baptist Church is called to be an embassy. We're called to be an embassy of Christ's kingdom, a place where his rule and reign is acknowledged in the lives and in the hearts of his people. Healthy churches are comprised of Christians who are committed to one another. So once Jesus announces here who can enter heaven's kingdom, he then begins to describe how those in his kingdom are to live, a reminder that it's not by our works that we enter his kingdom. It's only by the grace of God, rescued by his grace, but it's a grace that that must impact, that ought to impact the way that we live our lives. Those who are part of his kingdom are committed to one another, and the place that that commitment is most clearly seen is in the local church. In a local body of believers where believers are connected to and committed to life together with other followers of Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to be committed to one another? Jesus says it looks like protecting one another. Protecting one another from sin. And so as the church, we we protect, we're called to protect one another from sin. Jesus says, as the church, we protect one another from sin. Jesus has just portrayed his kingdom citizens as, as little children, verse 3. And so that's a, that's a clue for us as, as readers, as interpreters, as believers on how we're to, to understand the rest of this chapter. In the remainder of this chapter, when Jesus refers to a child or a little one, he's not talking about little boys and girls. He's not talking about physical children here. He's talking about spiritual children. He's talking about children of the king. In other words, in Matthew 18, child refers to Christian. Jesus says in verse 6, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better if to have, for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Strong words. And then Jesus goes on to warn his listeners. He goes on to warn us about dealing with our own sin. He uses strong language here, hyperbole, to emphasize the seriousness of sin. And the the importance of running from it, fleeing from it, removing anything that causes us to engage in it. The point being in the church, we're to protect one another from sin. So if I struggle with lust... Ladies, don't come into this place wearing skimpy clothing. Don't do it. Don't don't support my tendency to sin. If a sister in Christ, a sister in the body, struggles with gossip, don't be telling her about your neighbor's marriage issues without permission, that you ain't got permission to share. If someone in the church family has just been convicted of their lack of giving to missions and they've cut cable in order to, as Austin said, send Lottie to the moon, don't be pulling out your new iPhone 12 Pro Max with 5G and saying, you need one of these things. Don't do it. Get rid of sin. Run from temptation in your own life for the sake of your relationship with God, but also for the sake of your brother or sister in Jesus Christ. See, as the church, we're called to protect one another from sin. And we see here, as the church, we love and care for one another. As the church, we love and care for, for one another. For we are family. Let's not be like, uh, let's not be like the McAllisters from Home Alone. Let's not leave anyone behind. Don't leave Kevin behind. Don't leave Toxie behind. Don't leave Mr. Baker behind. Don't leave Miss Linda behind. Don't leave anyone behind. Let's love and care for one another 
as family. This is what a healthy church does. This is a way a faithful congregation expresses its commitment to one another. This is what we strive for. We don't do this perfectly. That's not what we're saying here. But this is what we're called to engage in. This is the way that we're called to operate and interact with one another. Loving and caring for one another in the body of Christ. Verse 10. Jesus says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Don't despise a single believer. Don't despise a brother or sister in Christ. That's what he's saying. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Verse 14, Jesus says, In the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones, any of these believers, should perish. Jesus is saying, Run after straying sheep. He's saying, pursue the drifting brother. Call the absent sister. Track them down. Why? Why? Because the Father loves His children enough to pursue them and to send His angels to minister to them. In other words, love and care for one another in the local church because God loves unconditionally and cares deeply for every single sheep in His fold. And so love Marlin because God loves and cares deeply for Marlin. Love Ryan because God loves and cares deeply for Ryan. Love Jill because God loves and cares deeply for her. Love and care for one another. Every member of the body for everyone is precious to their Father in heaven. In Meadowbrook, we've got some new members We're called and invited to love and to care for. And so I want you to hear from them. Turn turn your attention to the screens. Hello, Meadowbrook. We are the Luthers. I'm Michael. I'm Holly. I'm Avery. I'm nine years old. I'm Annabelle. And I'm seven years old. I'm I'm Anderson. I'm four years old. I'm Dave. This is Adelaide, and she's two. Uh, Holly and I, we know Jesus as our personal Savior, and we've been so happy to be connected to you guys virtually all year long through Sunday school and worship and Backyard VBS, and we were looking forward to making it official with our membership now. Thank you guys for your encouragement and support, and we just can't wait to um, get to serve the community and serve our Lord with you. Bye! Bye! Hello, Meadowbrook. This is Connie Johnson. I would like to say that I'm a born-again believer and have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I desire membership in Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Thank you. Good morning, Meadowbrook. My name is Chris Dodd, and I've been water baptized, and I gave my life to Jesus several years ago. Thanks for the invitation to join the church, and have a good day. Hey, Meadowbrook, this is Austin. And I'm Laura Catherine. And these are our sons, Brian, Brooks, and Benjamin. Laura Catherine and I are very excited to join the Meadowbrook Church family. Thank you all so much for welcoming us. Yes, and we love Meadowbrook Baptist Church because it's family-friendly, gospel-centered, and biblically grounded. Yes, we love Jesus Christ. And I'm super excited to love one another as a part of the Meadowbrook Church family. Thank y'all. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Kristen Porter. Um, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm excited to become an official member of Meadowbrook Baptist Church after playing and uh, worshiping with you guys for three or four years. So um, I'm excited to join the church family. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, from Jesus, the whole body uh, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work, as each member of the body, every supporting ligament works together for the growth uh, of one another in in Jesus Christ. And so I want us to pause right here um, and respond to these uh, new prospective members of our church family. I want to mention them again, Chris Dodd and Kristen Porter. Uh, Connie Johnson, Austin and Laura Catherine Birch, Michael and Holly Luther. Uh, another not pictured there is, is Chapel Ann Wetzel. And so uh, as a church family, as a congregation, I want you to, to pause right where you are right now and stand as a sign of your uh, indication uh, and commitment to these brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And uh, church, if you agree with the following statements, please answer by saying we do. Number one, do you, Meadowbrook Baptist Church, welcome these brothers and sisters in Christ into this church family and celebrate this decision today alongside them? And secondly, do you, fellow Christians, commit to pray for them and to love them and to care for them, to serve them and to grow in Christ with them in the days ahead? Well, thank you, and you may be seated. And praise be to God for uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, a growing family of believers. Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So, Meadowbrook, let's be devoted to one another in love. Let's honor one another above ourselves. Healthy churches are comprised of Christians who are committed to one another. And one way, an additional way that we can demonstrate that commitment to one another is by aiming to restore the unrepentant sinner among us. Jesus teaches, as the church, we are to aim to restore the unrepentant sinner among us. In other words, when one in the church family who is wearing the name Christian and wearing the name Meadowbrook Baptist is living in sin with no remorse or no desire to to change, then God expects us, He calls us to lovingly confront them in their sin. That's what the text that Austin read earlier in the service, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, teaches. It describes the process of church discipline and restoration. And, and notice here that it begins one-on-one, verse 15. If, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you you've won them over. It begins small, involving as few folks as possible. And because of our tendency to send conversations like this, I think, that, I think this is the, the indication, the implication here. Because of our tendency to send conversations like this, one-on-one between brothers in Christ, or sisters in Christ, ought to be happening often. For brother or sister in Christ, connected to the the body that I'm connected to, sees a sin pattern in my life, they ought to be willing to say, Hey, hey Chris, your your attitude kind of stinks. What's going on, man? Is there any way I can pray for you? Reminds me of a conversation last night. Connor and I went to the Jimmy Hill Mission and... We're talking with some of the men there before the service, and we, we, we met a, a believer, a guy, I'll call him Jim, for the sake of uh, protecting his identity, but Jim 
began to open up. He was clearly a, a follower of Jesus. He loved the Lord Jesus. He, he knew Jesus. He knew His Word, but he was struggling with addiction. He had been struggling with addiction on and off, and he pointed to his, his skin. He said, this, this right here messes me up, my flesh. Talked about smoking crack and how his flesh would tell him if he didn't do so, he was going to die. He said, I slipped up once again, and that's why I'm, I'm back in, in this place. And I have to believe, reading between the lines, someone told him, hey, you got to get some help. I know you, you know Jesus and you love him, but, but you need some intervention. You need some help. You need, you need to engage in some recovery and, and rehab. And praise be to God, someone said so, and, and that's where he is. Life being restored, once again, back on, on track. If, Jesus says, if they don't listen, if they don't listen to you one-on-one, take one or two other believers with you. Take someone with you. He says, if they still don't listen, bring the matter to the church, to the local gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ. The church then, and this is the intent, is to lovingly and carefully call the sinning member to turn from their sin. There's a pastoral responsibility here. Lovingly and Carefully call the, the sinning member to turn from that sin. And if they want, won't, Jesus says, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Verse 17, he says, uh, in other words, treat them like an unbeliever. Don't, don't regard them any longer as someone who knows and follows Jesus and is part of the body. Treat them as you would an unbeliever. Jesus is not saying, notice what he's not saying. He's not saying despise them. He's not saying ridicule them. He's not saying cast stones at them. No, not at all. He's saying love them. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to examine the spiritual fruit of their lives and tell them when they don't look like Jesus' people. And if there's no sign of surrender to the Savior, then don't sign their name on your church's membership list. That's what Jesus is saying here. Not because you don't love them, but because you love them and you long for them to truly know Jesus and because you care about the purity and protection of the bride of Jesus Christ. Friends, let's just be honest. Uh, most churches don't do this well, if at all. Church correction and, and discipline. I, I need to confess before you this morning, I haven't done this, ma- this well. At Meadowbrook, if our church health is graded solely on this point, then I'm concerned that we might not get a very good grade. We can do better. God's grace and His mercy and His wisdom and guidance from His Word... Let's move beyond the, the Western lie of individualized and privatized Christianity where my relationship with the Lord is none of your business. And let's engage in biblical community with one another for the glory of God and for the growth of His church. Let's practice the kind of community that loves one another enough to call one another to account when we stray from following Jesus. But let's do so honestly. Let's do so humbly. Let's do so carefully, let's do so lovingly, let's do so graciously. For as the church, we are to extend extravagant grace. We're to be a grace people. Be a gracious people because we know a gracious God. One of the ways that we practice our commitment to one another in the body of Christ is by extending extravagant, lavish grace with one another. We extend extravagant grace because we have received extravagant grace. That's... That's where this text concludes. That's what the parable of the unmerciful servant that concludes Matthew 18 is, is all about. We don't have time to read it this morning, but 
Trust you, you may be familiar with it. Through Jesus, God extends forgiveness to us for a sin debt that we can never pay. That's what the parable's about. That God forgives us a sin that we could never pay. A debt that we can never pay. Our debt is deep. It is infinitely deep. But praise God, Christ has paid it all. Friend, has the payment of Christ's blood been applied to your life? Have you, have you gone from dead in your sins to alive in Jesus Christ? Have you been forgiven and restored and reconciled to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Are you a child of the King? Have you run to the Father through Jesus, the perfect Son? Run to Him today. Run fast to Him today and you will receive extravagant grace. It's grace. It's God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. And then, Christian, join the body. Join the church. Because membership matters. You, you may ask, well, how, do I, how do I do that? Well, all of these folks that were presented this morning have gone through a starting point class, a, a one-time uh, one-hour class where, where they're told who we are, what we believe, what's central to us as a church family. It's an opportunity... For you to know us and for us to get to know you. Next time we'll do that. We've, we've just done that earlier this month. The next time we'll do that will be sometime after the first of the year. But perhaps you sense the Lord is leading you to explore membership in this body. It doesn't matter if you've been attending here for years or, or if today's the first day. But if you sense the Lord leading you in that way, don't, don't wait till then. In fact, you, you can communicate with us on that Connect card that Austin mentioned earlier. Hey, I want, to, I want more information about how to become a member. And one of our pastors will follow up with you. You could let me know that or any of our staff know that even today after the service. But let's trust Christ. Let's let's enter his family. Let's join the body and then church, let's show grace. Let's be a grace people. Let's be a people who forgive our brothers when they wrong us. Let's be a people who love our sisters when they sin against us. Let's love the hurting. Let's invite Jesus to to give us the kind of compassionate and gracious and caring and forgiving hearts that mirror the character of our gracious God. And healthy churches are comprised of Christians who are committed to one another. Would you bow with me? Lord, lead us to be a healthy church. Lead us to be a faithful people. Lead us to be a family of faith that, that bears the name of Jesus well. And Father, I think of Paul's words to the church in Philippi when he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so, Lord, because we believe the gospel, because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world, because we've turned to Him in faith, Lord, we pray that our lives would be changed, that our conduct, that our conduct would display that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be faithful Christians who are committed to one another in this place, in this gathering among these people. Lead us in that way for the glory of your name. Lord, let us be known by our love because you have loved us. Lord, hear our praise now as we express our faith, as we respond to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.